Hello, everyone. I want to join you for, I want to thank you for joining us on this Sunday for our HBCU to Startup, where we have Tiny Brown, who is the head of partnerships at Jobwell. And so for those who are joining us for the first time, we're going to start with just a brief introduction, and then we're going to just jump into Q&A. So if you're on and you're listening, there is an icon, looks like a nine square icon at the top of your screen. You can click on it and ask questions and we'll answer them. So Tiny, you're up. Hey. Hey. Thanks for having me. No problem. So just briefly, uh, could you just introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Tani Brown, and I am the head of partnerships for Jopwell.com. Uh, we are a tech-enabled, minority-focused uh, recruiting and hiring platform um, that connects underrepresented um, uh, individuals to opportunities uh, with, with companies. Okay. And so the, you've, you've mentioned uh, Jopwell, and can you, can you tell just a little bit more about the platform and how yeah. it works? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, we are building a two-sided marketplace um, that connects candidates with companies. So if you're a candidate, you can uh, log into Jopwell, create a full profile, uh, list all of your kind of professional, educational background, history, a resume, uh, information about yourself, you know, and who you are as a diverse candidate, you know, what kind of leadership and, and, and personal kind of backgrounds and experiences do you bring to the table? And then um, we make that information searchable by our partner companies. Um, and we are industry agnostic. So we uh, service everyone from uh, the tech industry to finance um, to the non profit sector. Um, uh, we have about 40 current uh, partner companies um, and we're growing really quickly. And we just finished uh, Y Combinator for the, uh, the 2015 summer class. So we were in San Francisco this summer uh, working on our platform, uh, building out our customer base in addition to our, our pool of candidates. And now we are back in New York City where we're based. So what, just uh, quickly go to, so you were in Y Combinator in also in the Silicon Valley area. What was it like uh, being a part of the Y Combinator? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's so hard to describe in words because I don't know when I will ever experience something like that in my life. Um, it, it was such a special opportunity to be uh, surrounded by just really some of the, the smartest, uh, you know, folks I've ever had to deal with at a professional level. Um, the, the program's great because it's, it really serves as, um, a, a connector and a network to enable companies uh, to connect with just some of the, the country and the world's you know, leading thought, uh, thought providers, leading investors, um, other companies that are really trying to change the world um, through, through solving a, a huge market problem. Um, and so for me, who you know, started my career in technology, but primarily in sales, it was an amazing opportunity to just push, push myself and be surrounded by people much smarter than me, um, who had dealt with, you know, potentially life-changing ideas before and, and really bringing that to, to the world. Cool. And I just want to remind um, those who are watching through the live stream, if they have a question, there is a nine square icon on the top of your screen. You can click on that and you can ask questions at any time and Tiny will answer them. Yes. So, <laughs> so there, let's talk about the unique uh, demographics of your of your team. Um, one, uh, Jabra was founded by uh, two black founders, right? 
And yes. for the mo- for the most part, most of your team members identify as being black, right? Yes, black uh, and Latino is really what our team is primarily made up of currently. And can you just talk about the culture in terms of um, how does that provide for a unique uh, culture in in comparison to other roles or positions that you've uh, companies that you worked at? Yeah, that's such a it's such a great question. Um, so for me, I grew up in a multicultural household. My mother's Japanese American, my father's African American, um, and so I've I've grown up. Uh, in a really intense kind of multicultural um, environment my entire life. Um, And I had never been surrounded in that setting, uh, in a professional setting of people really from the exact same kind of cultural background as Mm -hmm. myself. Um, And it's one of the first times in my entire life that I felt that I can be 100% authentically my, my complete self. So, um, you know, classic example that probably a lot of women will identify with, you know, certain days, your hair is just an issue. And, you know, your coworkers, because they don't have maybe that same level of cultural competency, um, you know, as you do, and it's no fault of their own, but they just didn't come from uh, a community where, um, you know, getting your hair done is an issue and who does your hair is an issue and the products you use are an issue and how, and that directly correlates to your performance at work and your self-confidence and how you feel. Um, and so, so to be surrounded by, uh, other women of color who, you know, love my Japanese mother, but she had no idea what to do with my hair growing up. Um, at, at 27, I'm getting all of a sudden this brand new like education about how to be myself. Um, mm-hmm. and I know it sounds silly, but my, my two coworkers, um, Anastasia and Victoria, they're amazing. They have really just taken me under their wing. And it's the first time where I'm like actually using proper women's beauty products for my <laughs> hair. And, you know, and as a result, when I come to work and I get, I get tips and it's not, you know, I'm not being looked at as an outsider. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're honestly trying to be my friend be my coworker. Um, you know, if we have a meeting, they want to make sure that I'm confident and that I'm prepared. Um, and so that aspect of Jopwell in my life has, um, has been just tremendous. And it's something I've never gotten to experience before. It's just kind of this immediate understanding and kind of collective identity about who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when, when something happens in the news, um, there's a collective, consciousness towards what we're doing and it's a Mm -hmm. a really powerful um feeling to come to work so so the water cooler talk is a a bit different you know you guys are at the water cooler talking about hair types conditioners no poo treatments yeah exactly (laughs) like i have a box of amazon products over there and this new comb that i just bought courtesy of my coworkers because they said that I was using just the wrong products. And now I have, you know, I have my Denman oh, the, brush. Oh, the Denman brush. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that is definitely a lifesaver. I have my Denman brush and I go every, I can't go anywhere without it. So. Yeah. I had no, I had no clue again that this was even a thing. You know, and again, it's because I'm, I come from a multicultural background. I don't have a black mother and, but you know, it sounds silly, but these are the things that really, um, make quality of life at work. So wonderful. Um, and of course we understand that we are a diversity recruiting recruitment company. Um, and so as we grow, you know, we definitely are extremely sensitive to how we grow and, you know, our culture and things like that. And so it's really wonderful to, to have a starting place 
and a starting point for diversity. <laughs> and so as you talk about the unique dynamics of your team being a majority black and Latino team, um, how does that play into how you actually build out your product, um, work with people on your platform, even work with partnerships? Uh, does that change the way that you work? That's a really good question. And I think that our backgrounds um, obviously frame how we go about building this platform. Mm -hmm. um, and they definitely inform, I guess is the word I'm really looking for, how we make our decisions. Um, but I think the interesting uh, part about Jobwell is we are, we are not a... Um, we are not looking to be kind of part of a corporate social responsibility. Uh, we're not looking mm -hmm. to be kind of a program. We are, we position ourselves as a tool to help HR and recruiting teams find the best talent. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a very, uh, very colorblind goal that we really meet our companies with um, because we want to position ourselves um, as a, a tool and a platform that really helps them do their job, um, which I think is interesting because we're taking these experiences and being um, minorities and we're helping companies really digest those insights to mm -hmm. have better workforces. And have you, like I said, you're head of partnerships. So yeah. have you had any challenges with working with companies who aren't as diverse? That is a great question. And you know what? No, we haven't. Uh, the okay. only the only pushback we ever get is we are trying to build this ourselves internally. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, before you guys come in and and uh, and and do it for us, you know, let us let us give it a shot. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's great because we really we, we haven't gotten the the door closed on us. Um, That's I think awesome. yeah, I think we're coming in at obviously a really. Um, the conversation nationally is really in our favor, and, and we're really trying to expand um, this notion that uh, the, the minority employment gap is just in a specific sector like tech. Um, and mm -hmm. oftentimes companies think that it's just one specific area that's lacking in recruitment and hiring, but you know, there's, a, there's this giant minority employment gap in the, in the country, and even mm -hmm. for non-technical roles, you know, legal roles, accountants, uh, marketing, sales, there's a whole plethora of roles that companies can recruit um, underrepresented um, ethnic minorities for that we think they're missing the boat on. And for those who are watching through the live stream, again, just a reminder, you can ask questions. Uh, use the icon that should be on the top of your screen. It's a nine square icon. You click on it and it'll open up the Q&A uh, interface and you can ask questions there. So we're going to yes. take one question. Um, B wants to know, do you think it's possible for underrepresented minorities to be their true authentic selves in work environments that unfortunately do not have job wells diversity? That is a great question. And um, at some of my previous places of employment, um, truthfully, I, I didn't feel that I could be my authentic self until I met that one person who whether because she was wearing, you know, a, a Lauren Hill kind of pin on her shirt or had, had a Denman brush on her desk, had that <laughs> cultural cue, you know, that let me know, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be friends. We're going to be mm -hmm. ourselves. Um, I think that is so key 
even if you're at a company or you're in a, you know, I, I, I grew up in schools where I didn't have a lot of people um, that looked like me. And I was really raised in the Japanese community. And it wasn't until really college that I got to immerse myself in the black community. Um, I think it's so important that you build community wherever you are. So mm -hmm. me and my best friend um, at my first job out of school, we decided that we would, you know, take up these issues with our managers and that we would really try and improve um, access to uh, internships and, and opportunities for other folks that looked like us and came from similar backgrounds. So, um, you know, to answer the original question, is it difficult? It is difficult. Should you do it? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Now, there's a difference between, like, should you pick your hair out and, like, you know, <laughs> like, listen to Rakim around the office? Like, I think, no, that's sometimes, you know, you could be a little obnoxious, but be yourself so that the company can grow stronger from having you as an employee, because that's really what companies are looking for. They're looking for people whose experiences and backgrounds and knowledge is really going to contribute to them identifying new markets, um, improving on products that might have missed the boat on a certain demographic. They're looking for that. Um, and so I, I absolutely encourage you to explore being your authentic self at work. Great question. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me of like just in just in general, in terms of just being a, a black face in a white place. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of one of my, my first, my first, uh, companies where I worked at in back in New Jersey. And we actually had this, um, it's kind of like an informal communication. Like when you will walk past someone in a hall <laughs> and they, you just happen to know and you kind of give the informal, like, nod yeah. or head uh -huh. and then like later in the day you kind of make sure that you connect it with them get your information and we had this it was it's really interesting because we started this email list and it was just called like poc a poc email list <laughs> um, <laughs> and it ended up growing like really really large i don't know who was the creator of the email list um but it was an internal email list of just people that we would see in the hall and just automatically add them and it became our own informal like employee affinity group or employee resource group um, it, we would have like these lunches, uh, these mass lunches where like 40 black employees would show up. Yeah. And, and I think what was, what was interesting is that at the same time, we didn't want to show that we were, um, kind of, you know, that we were meeting in front of our non-black employees. Mm -hmm. So we would have these lunches and we would put it on the, the calendar as like, POC me and build an H. And, yeah. <laughs> and so no one knew what was going on. Um, and I think part of that was that, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you ever heard this, like, you know, if you're at like a lunch table and there's too many black people, they're like, oh, what are they doing? Like, are they plotting or something? Yeah, they're going to protest. So, yeah, so we always went to a to an outside place. Um, and that being said, I think, you know, that was that was like 15 years ago. Um, and that being said, I think things are have changed just a bit. And I think a lot of companies are a little bit more open to, um, they're having for, they have formal employee resource groups, um, and affinity groups. Definitely. And I think like even one step further from that, what I've learned is, um, to bring in outside people to that lunch table, um, mm -hmm. and, and really test them and, 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 and see kind of where they can also fit in the conversation um, and really try and, you know, build bridges wherever, wherever you go. Mm -hmm. um, totally. Mm -hmm.
right, so um, reminder, anyone can ask questions. We have some viewers online. Just click the, the nine square icon, ask your questions, and we'll be able to answer them. So, um, so let's, how large is the team right now? The team is, uh, we just got to 10. We just hired our 10th mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. um, really, really exciting. We're, we're going to be kicking off uh, a content uh, kind of portion and uh, bringing in someone to do that. So we're really, really excited about our growth. Um, but we're also hiring. Yes. So let's talk about that. What are you hiring for? Yeah. We are currently hiring a, a full stack engineer uh, mm -hmm. to join our tech team. Um, one of the most, probably the most critical portion of our website because we are a technology uh, company. And it's the technology that really enables connections between the recruiters and the candidates. Um, so uh, Randy Brown, is uh, he heads up our technology team. Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to put anyone who's listening out there in touch with him. Um, if you go to jobwell.com slash careers, you can get a full uh, job description as well for the actual role. Um, and really just looking for someone who's, who's mission-driven, I think, uh, for, for people out there that are listening, the one thing that I learned in my, um, you know, I've been in the workforce six, seven years now is there's such a difference between waking up in the morning and being driven to do what you do because there's a specific goal and mission that gets you out of bed in the morning um, versus knowing that maybe you're just, you know, working for someone else to get to X, Y, Z. So we're really looking just for people that understand our mission and are hungry and, um, and hopefully incredibly intelligent. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, uh, I'm building a, a sales team as well. Um, and so, uh, really interested in connecting with folks, um, that are interested in learning more about the platform, um, connecting us with companies, um, really, really interested in, in talking with anyone, um, from the kind of HBCU kind of network who'd be interested in, in joining this team as well. Um, and then a lot of other roles will be posted in the upcoming months. Okay. And so you were what, employee three, number three or number four? Yes. Or? Number three. Okay. And yeah. how, how did you, how did you land at Jobwell? That is a great question. And it speaks to, so I have this theory when people are like, you're so lucky. I don't, I think luck is obviously one part like serendipitous, but then I think there's like things that you can do to increase your luck. And mm -hmm. And, it, and it's happened to me so, several times over the course of my life where I truly believe in this, but um, I think you have to speak things into existence and then put yourself in a position to make that happen. So I, uh, all of 2014, um, I was in Vietnam. Before that, I started my career at Google uh, as an account manager. I left Google in 2013 and I did a teaching, an English teaching Fulbright in Vietnam. And when I was in Vietnam, I got to work with uh, uh, international students who were trying to work in these big factories like LG and Samsung making our, our cell phones and our computers and amazing, amazing students and got me really interested in working with international students, uh, working in job preparation. Um, and when I got back to America, I wanted to uh, start my own basically consulting firm, helping uh, women of color do something very similar to Jobwell. And uh, I, I applied to graduate school. I got in, I was all set to go. And during the application process, I was telling everyone in my network what it is that I wanted to do because I was hoping to get, you know, job experience doing something, even if it was before I started grad school in this new area. And uh, I mentioned this to my best friend, 
a former ex-Googler, and she happened to go to college with Porter Braswell, who's the CEO of Jopwell. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was in New York for a birthday party. I, I happened to be there, and I got coffee with Porter and Ryan, who are the two co-founders, and we just really hit it off um, from... It's going to sound so meta, but I think just like a really philosophical, like, why are you doing this? Like, why is this mm -hmm. of interest to you? And our stories really aligned with each other. Um, and so the next day, I skipped the birthday party early, and I put together a proposal of, um, of why, you know, they should have me on board, even for a short period of time. Um, and uh, at that time, I was living on the West Coast in Los Angeles, and I really told them I would love to help launch uh, you know, the West coast as a, as a customer base for Jopwell, um, based on my network and three months, um, led to a full time. Now I've been with the company a little over nine months and obviously not in grad school. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, now we've grown from four to 10 in that six month period, which is crazy. And that's really how I, how I even landed there. So, but it happened because my friend was visiting me we went mm -hmm. to the beach one day and I told her what I wanted to do with my life, which was help underrepresented diverse candidates with opportunities, period. And she said, you should meet with Porter and Ryan. And had I not known that idea or put it out into the world, I truly think that there's no way that connection would have been made or would have been made too late. You know, mm -hmm. it was just so ripe um, where they were, where I was in my life and my career. That's kind of how it all happened. Okay. And okay. so that was crazy. <laughs> I can imagine like going to like a, a small company, especially with the background from Google. Uh, we could talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have another question is, can you take us through the process of how Jabra works to support individuals even after they create a profile? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So after you create your profile, um, that profile is then made searchable and filterable by our partner companies. So your profile is on the website. If I'm a, a partner customer, Let's say I go in and I am looking for um, folks with a software engineering either background or maybe a, a major um, that have already had a couple years of experience and that have expressed specific interest in uh, a specific industry. So again, you can express interest in entertainment, um, accounting, finance, law. Um, once that company, let's say I'm an entertainment company, once they actually do that search, they're able to find you. And then from that point, they can connect with you. Um, they can encourage you to apply for a position. They might reach out to you to set up a, a, an interview or, or an informational. Um, the other thing that you can do as a candidate is when you're on jobwell.com um, slash app slash partners, you'll be able to see all of our partner organizations. So even if you're sitting at your computer right now, you can go onto the website. In the right-hand corner, you can click and see all of our uh, partner organizations. Um, every customer has... A, uh, an employer marketing page and and this really goes with our thesis um, which is that let's say I'm a major tech company or let's say I'm um, a big accounting firm um, it is very rare that those companies are able to market the breadth of opportunities and roles and jobs and divisions within their uh, within their company so let's say um, you're uh, have a legal background. Um, you didn't know that there might be a really specific position for you at a tech company. There might be a position for you at an entertainment company, maybe a ta you know a talent agency or um, a, a publisher. Um, the marketing page will give you give you a sense of what they actually do and what they actually recruit for. Um, and then once you're on the employer page, 
you'll see in the upper right hand corner, you can express interest in that company. So this is something that's really cool and what differentiates us. You can actually express interest in a company and they receive um, that interest. So you can select a specific division, leave a cover letter for why you're interested, and that company can actually receive that interest. Um, and then from there, they can connect with you as they normally would. Cool. Now we'll go to the next question. Awesome. Um, what are the recommendations on standing out as a candidate when you don't have a STEM academic background, but you're attempting to attract tech companies specific, specifically in the realm of human resources? Absolutely. That's a great question, and, and it's a position that we recruit very actively for. So whoever that person was, feel free to reach out to me You know, after um, this, this hangout, uh, tawny at jopwell.com, um, and I would be happy to discuss some of the opportunities that I know that are on the platform. Um, my biggest advice in this specific area, and I think it's where a lot of candidates, you know, not only diverse but period, um, kind of miss the mark, is making sure that their profile and their resume really aligns with the, with the job description and requirements. Um, mm -hmm. If you put yourself in the mind of, of, of a recruiter, they want to find the best person for the role. Um, and so even if you might not have the technical experience that makes you, um, you know, you know, kind of stand out technically, you still offer experience that is very valuable to that company, right? Whether it's a different industry that you worked in, that could be a crossover industry, whether it's a new perspective that you bring to this industry as an outsider, um, whether it's a project that you've worked on that it might not um, directly correlate, but it definitely has some crossover, whether that was like working in that industry, working with individuals or consumer-based um, in that industry, it's finding those uh, those points of connection that will still make you stand out. Um, you know, it's you you can't use the same the same resume or the same cover letter for everyone. Um, it's annoying, but you have to put in that work to to make those connections. And then from there, that's what really helps us um, as we grow the platform. Help you because we're able to communicate um, a lot of those uh, differentiators to our our partner customers. And so I, I actually want to go back to um, what you said before in terms of, one, you have experience because you used to work at Google, and now you're at a smaller uh, startup. And you mentioned something briefly in terms of, like, oh, your, your parents were upset about, <laughs> you know, when you first joined. And I actually find that, um, I find that common when we talk to a lot of uh, minority students or even professionals and what they're looking for and a career. At this point, you know, they see like the larger tech companies um, as like Google or Facebook as being uh, quote unquote stable versus going to like a smaller startup because there's higher risk. Yeah. Um, and when you, what are your, I guess, what is your advice when talking specifically to uh, young people of color or people who are transferring into the tech industry? How should they evaluate that decision for themselves versus uh, going to like a larger company? Um, versus looking at opportunities at smaller tech startups. Yeah, yeah. I always make, I'm, I make a lot of lists. And what I always try and balance when I'm looking at opportunities, period, is the people, um, the price. So that's the opportunity cost to myself financially, um, time, um, kind of commitments, um, and then the opportunity to grow. So those three things, people, price, um, and, and place really is what I call it, like opportunity to grow and change. And those three have to align or else you're not going to be happy. 
Um, you might think you're going to be happy uh, because you have this awesome risk in front of you. Um, but my perspective has always been that the people that you work with have to be awesome and they have to be people that you would trust regardless if this is a company that you're going to, you know, spend a, a big chunk of your life and your energy into, but you have to trust them as like human beings. Um, second is that price, um, is the time and the financial kind of, you know, incentives that they align with what is realistic to you right now. Um, you don't want to starve yourself. Um, you also know that you don't need to ball out on a ridiculous salary right now. Um, at, you know, if you're at a, at a certain stage, you might also have a significant other or a child that you have to take care of. So that's something to consider. Um, and then upside, which is just like, how much are you going to learn? How much are you going to be pushed in case if this doesn't work out, do you at least have now all of these brand new experiences that will make you stand out in the next opportunity should that arise? So I really urge people to just always consider uh, the people they're working with, the, the price that it's going to cost to your life. Um, and then, uh, the opportunity for learning. Um, and if you can get those three to balance out, um, you're going to be happy and then your parents are going to be happy. So <laughs> that's really, you know, what, what matters at the end of the day. And that happiness is going to drive you being successful. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and so I think you, you talked a little bit about this, um, in terms of finding that role. What, what's the best way to find that role? I know you talked about either joining the platform, but what yeah. are other ways? Yeah, no, it's a great idea. And I think it goes back to the, the person who ever asked that question um, about, you know, if you might not come from a tech company, uh, but maybe you have a background in HR, you want to get into HR. I was just thinking about that as well while I was speaking. I would make a list, um, sit down and make a list about all of the things that are the most important to you um, in this, in this new job or in this new career. And then I would make another list that just lists out your skills, basically, um, and what you're really, really, really good at. Um, at some point in the job hunt, when you're evaluating companies and you're evaluating roles, you want to make sure that those two are somewhat aligning with what it is you're being asked to do. So I have a friend, and she joined this, um, this startup that does uh, hooks boutiques up um, with a marketplace. And they have her doing customer service. And she is just not an extroverted person, but she has to talk to like 200 people a day and she's miserable because that's just not her role. She would have done better, I think, in something um, more internal facing, right? Something revolving strategy, um, something involving, um, you know, something maybe internally facing to, uh, to the staff. Um, and so you have to know what it is about you that you're good at and that you want to be doing so that when you're actually in the role, even if it's not perfect, you know that you're going to be able to adapt and you're going to enjoy yourself. Um, so, you know, for that person in HR, you still have amazing experience in HR. So I would really, really, you know, crank that up and, and really pull that apart and really explain, you know, quantitatively and qualitatively, why are you really good at HR? Because good companies will be able to see that and apply that to the role. Um, and then for folks looking at roles, you know, align those, those skills and those traits with what it is that you're looking for. And do you have any tips in terms of, um, if someone isn't not, isn't yet qualified for the role that they're looking at, um, what can they do to make themselves either qualified or more attractive? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am always, I'm such a big proponent of, um, you, you can call them internships, but experiences that basically improve your, your skills. 
Um, sometimes, knock on wood, they're paid. Other times, they're not. Um, when I was in school, I really wanted this Nike internship, and I had no marketing experience at all. And I worked really, really, really hard to develop a relationship with the recruiter at Nike. And she told me, look, you have no marketing experience. And so I asked her, what do I need to do to be considered you know, qualified for this position? Um, and she told me, well, you know, you need marketing experience. You should work with a brand. You should work in some form of sales or customer service. So we can see that that's on your resume. And so I went out and I found an internship on Craigslist which you don't have to do anymore because Jopwell's here, but this is how <laughs> in the olden days, 10 years ago, you had to do it. And um, I, I got an internship with this jewelry company that was close to my house. And I did everything for them, like sales, customer service, like branding, marketing. And then six months later, I knocked on the recruiter's door and I said, I did exactly what you told me. So you, you should give me the internship. <laughs> and she didn't give it to me, but she had me interview with the with the guy who would be my manager, and I got the internship. So one, it's about establishing relationships, um, and two, it's about asking what the company or the individual is really looking for, and then doing your best to get experiences that align with that. I think that's something people forget all the time. They think that like I can just do marketing at this company because I'm a social person. Well, but you need to show that experience because all a lot of what hiring is about is making sure that when that person's in the role, they're going to be successful at it. So they want to see that you've done it before, even you know, in whatever capacity. And they want to see that you can apply A to B. Okay. Um, and then you mentioned that was like one of your uh, internships. Um, so the, can you talk about the internship opportunities that uh, that Jopwell offers with this with this partner company. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like I said, we have currently almost uh, 40, 40 partner companies. Um, almost all of them, I know, at least half are offering uh, summer internships for students that are currently in school. Um, I highly suggest people to go to uh, Jopwell.com. Um, and go to the job board that's actually listed on the website, which is another way for companies to basically market all of their internships. Um, the big thing to think about for students, and also there's a ton of recent grad opportunities, is um, sometimes what you're studying might not, you know, you might not think that you could be a good candidate for an internship. Um, you know, sometimes if you're a liberal arts major, you can absolutely apply for uh, a technology internship. Um, if you have, you know, background, maybe that's not just tech related, but you still take in, um, you know, math or physics, um, or classes that can still relate, um, to engineering type programs, then you should absolutely apply, uh, for an engineering program. Um, and so right now we have a ton of engineering programs. Uh, we have a ton of, um, also, non-technical programs that are really specific, focused on certain divisions, um, like you know, media uh, or uh, accounting, um, and you know, have a really specific focus. Um, a lot of these deadlines are around November first, so this is kind of perfect timing for mm -hmm. a lot of students. If you're out there and you're listening, um, go to Jobwell and look at our partner companies. Um, you can filter. Um, by geographic location, uh, you can filter by job role, job type, 
Um, and if you have kind of further questions, again, absolutely feel free to reach out to me. But we are heavy into uh, recruitment season for our partner companies. And so if there is a company there that you're interested in that you would like to learn more information, um, definitely reach out to me. Um, again, we have everything from uh, finance uh, to tech um, to uh, we have uh, we just partnered with one of our first kind of hedge funds, if that interests you. Um, entertainment. Uh, really, we run the gamut on our industries. So, and, and very, very, some new partnerships to come that we're really, really excited about. And then you could, I don't know if you talked briefly about where you guys are located now. Yes. Yeah, so we are geographically located in New York City. I'm a born and bred West Coaster and will always be. Um, uh, so we're, we're based in the financial district. We're knock on wood, moving to, uh, to a new office in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we have a large presence um, all over the country. So we have partner companies in the Midwest, partner companies on the West Coast. Um, something to really think about if you're currently in school or maybe you're in a geographic area and you just don't know much about what it's like to live in the Bay Area, um, definitely just do your research. Um, we can make whatever introductions might be necessary to learn more about the culture of the area. But I think oftentimes it's really difficult for underrepresented candidates uh, to really feel like they're going to be welcome in a, maybe a foreign area. And I know it's scary. Mm -hmm. I just moved out to New York after I graduated and, and uh, kind of told my parents I had a job and I had no such job, but I moved out there <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it was really kind of a freak accident how I ended up at Google, um, which is why this has always been such a uh, an important project for me, making sure that underrepresented candidates have the same opportunities because it, it was it was just very hard to come by when I first graduated because there was no central location to know companies that really do care about diversity and inclusion and, and are actively out there. They've literally hired diversity recruiters to come and look for you. So it's important that you make yourself seen and that when you are seen, you're in a position to be successful. And so honestly, most of the people that I know in the community that we work with, um, most of them are actually East coast based. Um, and they're curious about the cultural differences, um, working on the West coast. You actually did the opposite. So you are a West coast girl and then you went out to the East coast. What are some of the, just from your personal observation, what are the, some of the things that you've noticed uh, that are culturally different um, in terms of working in tech on, you know, each post? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> it, you know, and I don't want to say that it's just like a cultural question, but I just <laughs> love like the get it done mentality um, mm -hmm. of working on the East Coast, uh, even, you know. I was in tech, but I was on the East Coast. There was a very, a very definite vibe to the office in New York City mm -hmm. versus the office um, in California. And it was so funny being in Y Combinator this summer. Uh, we were in San Francisco, and everyone except for me is, and, and one other coworker is uh, practically a New Yorker. And they just weren't used to the bars and restaurants closing so early. And, you know, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of camping and, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's really different. And, but I love, I love working with them because, um, it's that New York mentality of we can get it done at, at any hour. So mm -hmm. I like to think that I bring a West coast mentality to the company, but we, we very much operate as a New York city business, uh, which is, which is great, which is a lot of fun. 
yeah, that's the diversity in your team. The, uh, the yeah. different mentalities between East Coast, West Coast, um, which are very different. Yeah, um, and it totally is. And we have people from backgrounds from, you know, HBCUs, the Ivy League, yeah. uh, state school. So it's completely different uh, experience that people bring. And again, it just kind of speaks to how important it is to have that different experience diversity when you're building a product. Um, mm -hmm. Because we all have very different experiences. So it's important that we have all of that. Mm -hmm. And so... Just in case, I think we're, there are a few other people who just joined us. But if you want to ask a question, there is a nine square icon on the top of your screen. If you click on it, it'll open up the question and answer interface where you could answer a question. Okay. So you talked about, let's see, did we miss anything so far? Talked about, oh, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, so... There are definitely um, a lot of people who, who, who have joined the call in terms of are looking to work at startups, but there are also some people who are looking in terms of starting their own uh, mm -hmm. tech uh, company. Mm -hmm. Any tips or mm -hmm. advice for them? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's really exciting. Um, it, it, com it continues to boggle my mind how few of us there are like, you know, entrepreneurs, owners in this specific space. And so it's really exciting. There's, a, you know, a few other companies um, that I can think about, you know, minority-owned business that are, I hate the word disrupt, but that are disrupting certain uh, industries. Um, and I think it's so important that, I, I think oftentimes um, people, not just people of color, but, you know, underrepresented folks, we, we know that the burden and the risk is heavier on us um, mm -hmm. if, we, if we don't succeed. And I've seen that deter a lot of people. Um, and I think it's really important when you get involved, um, making sure that you're not just relying on, you know, on just that network of other people of color um, and keeping it kind of in this small um, incubated community. I think it's really important that you position yourself, um, even if you're a product that's going to <clears throat> that's going to focus on one specific segment. Um, it's getting it's getting investors and marketers and uh, publishers and people writing articles to see that your your overarching mission is to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so, at the end of the day, what you contribute to the economy, what you contribute to the conversation, goes so much beyond. Um, you know, just that you are black or that you are uh, Native American or you are Latino. That will forever be the place that you will come from that makes you unique and that makes you sought after. But I think that it's important um, to expand um, your network and to try as hard as you can um, to appeal uh, to investors, to an audience that is wide and diverse. Um, because I think it's so important for us to get that visibility, that extra visibility um, that, that we're not getting um, and to really break the mold of just being considered, you know, a, a black company. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you will figure that out as you build out your product. You will know who your niche audience is. It might also surprise you, you know, who actually is using your product. Um, but, you know, my advice is when you're, you're going and you're asking for money and you're, you're increasing that network is don't limit yourself. Um, and don't think that you should only circumscribe yourself to one specific community. You will never know where 
your investment is going to come from and you'll never know who your likeliest ally is going to be. Um, and you know, obviously until that contract is signed, you know, you have to be careful about who you obviously put your trust in. But in my, in my short lived experiences, and we're going to be announcing, um, our investors really soon for this kind of first major seed raise that we've done. Um, you, you really don't know who's going to come to bat until it actually happens. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I think that I think that's very very a valid point in terms of um, looking outside of the community instead of saying staying insular to especially you know staying insular to like the black community and brand yourself as just a black company even if that might be your target audience um, drawing on allies and supporters from out, out outside the community is, is very important. Yeah. Do you have any any tips for like expanding that network or even I don't even say. Um, what are tips, like, let's say even if you are building a product for, for, uh, for a black, your, your target audience is a black audience. Yeah. Um, but like, you're meeting with investors who may not be black or may not understand, um, the, the insular details of your tar target audience. Any tips for one yeah. networking outside of, you know, your immediate demographic and two, um, convincing others why this is uh especially your investors or um or anyone to join your team why this is more than just a black company or a black yeah, company. absolutely absolutely so my advice on the first point is all about the story so every in my opinion every great company has come from a story um and it's a story about a problem that was really uh, dire and so someone had to come together to try and fix it and they weren't trying to fix it because they saw this financial incentive they were genuinely trying to fix a problem um, Jopwell was trying to fix a problem right I got my first job out of school because I met a recruiter on Craigslist who happened to be filling temp positions um, for a big tech company so this was a problem that was really annoying that for me to find companies who had specific uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, you know, programs, initiatives, goals, I, there was nowhere for me to go. And even once I was on their company website, how do I even, you know, penetrate that to make sure that my story is being told? Um, that's kind of the origin story of Jopwell. So when I tell that story to an investor, uh, to someone who might be able to assist uh, with our partnership efforts, that's the story that they gravitate to. They don't gravitate to a story that's just, you know, black and white or black and black. They gravitate to me trying to solve a problem. And I would say when, when you get to that, it comes off as so authentic. People just want to hear a good story. That's what gets them hooked in. And that's what gets them thinking like, if this is a problem for you, think about the myriad of other people that are probably facing the same problem who aren't nearly as like, extroverted and like crazy about job searching that you are you know they just kind of are hitting one wall and they're being turned off and that's when you start to get the dialogue going and that's when you start to get people curious um mm -hmm. and and when they when they stumble on a really authentic um issue right finding if, I, if you're a sneaker collector and you just have trouble getting the newest sneaker you have trouble selling the latest sneaker you know people gravitate towards this story and they want and they want to build solutions through either community or resources or investments they want to genuinely help solve that 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 story um is really how i would how i would kind of tackle that um and then in regards to your second one um we had this this phrase at, at google that was called moonshots and 
it was a moonshot was an idea that was so crazy. You, you, the end goal was just landing on the moon somewhere really far out. Um, and I look at like Elon Musk and I'm like, that, that dude was crazy. He, <laughs> you know, he, all, you know, he had these crazy ideas, but what having a big crazy idea does is it separates you from everyone else who's on land and everyone mm -hmm. else that doesn't have that crazy idea. Um, and then if you can meet that other person, that's like, yeah, that's a crazy idea. But like, I have this little insight that might make this small portion of your crazy idea actually work. And then you guys become friends and then you start to attract maybe that one investor. That's like, this is something I've been thinking about for a really long time. And you guys have this expertise and you have all these insights. Um, maybe we can actually, you know, make this work. And so I think it's continuing to dream big, but to have those dreams be based on like real world problems and insights that you actually are stumbling upon. Cause that's going to lead you to build a good product. If you can right. continue to, to act on that. That was, that was actually a really, really good explanation. And so I'm going to take, this is our final question. It's probably like the toughest question oh. <laughs> coming up. But but it's it's a good question. So as a multiracial person, you mentioned that uh, your mother's Japanese American and your father is African American. Do you navigate? How do you navigate uh, that Asian folks, uh, specifically East and South Asian, fare well? Specifically, not limited to tech. Meanwhile, Black communities statistically are struggling. Yeah, yeah. It 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 is a great question. It's something that like morally I, I fight with all the time. Um, but really how I answer that is, you know, the Asian community where we really struggle is in politics. Um, the, the African American community, uh, I'll take my home state of California, for example. Um, you know, Asians make up a, a large proportion and yet our political representation is incredibly low. So in my off hours, some job well, I'm involved in a lot of kind of, political activism for my Asian side, which is, which is really funny. Um, and so for me, how I navigate that is always making sure that, um, what I'm involved in personally, what then the conversations that I'm contributing to, um, I try and hold myself responsible for the biggest problems, um, in the Asian community. And I'm Japanese American. It's a very, very big issue. The lack of political involvement of Asians and Asian Americans in cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles, where we make up such a sizable part of the community or where certain geographic areas that are, were traditionally Asian have now, um, been, been changing. Um, and, and for me, when I look at, uh, industries, you know, like finance technology, um, and, and, and I, and you look at the numbers where, where I see the biggest need and the biggest, uh, call to action is for the most underrepresented ethnic minorities, um, for me, uh, which means folks that self-identify as being black, Latino, Hispanic, and native American. Um, and diverse groups mean so many different things. I think if I came from another background, I would feel compelled to really stand up and fight for those reasons as well. Um, but how I really answer that question is I hold myself responsible um, for both sides of who I am and both sides of my family. Um, and I really try and provide really 
practical solutions and dedicate my life towards improving the position of, of both sides of those people. So it's a really, really good question. It's something I think about all the time. Something my coworkers ask me all the time. Like, do you feel more like black today? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel Japanese and black. Like, <laughs> there is no separation. It's, yeah. it's funny because someone asked me a question that was so, somewhat similar at one point. They asked me, you know, do you find it more difficult being a black developer or a female developer? Right. And I was like, well, I can't turn one off. You know, yeah. so there, <laughs> there is no like. Oh, you know, I'm feeling extra black today versus I'm be feeling extra female today. Um, you know, I'm a black female, and so yeah. there is no turning one off. Exactly, and I think, and I think the constant challenge for me is just like making sure that I'm holding myself accountable for like the struggles and um, the responsibilities that come with being both. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would feel I just wouldn't feel myself if I was solely focused on one specific area or not. well that is just about it um before we go i want to just kind of like do a recap in terms of how people can reach out to you absolutely um, what what you're looking for and where they should go visit the site absolutely um so you can reach me at tawny my first name t-a-n-i at jopwell.com um i i'm on my i try not sleep next to my phone kind of a mindfulness thing, but I will absolutely um, get, get back in touch with you. Uh, we're also hiring campus ambassadors for JobWell. You get an awesome t-shirt um, and a really great kind of relationship with the team here at JobWell because we're very hands-on, very grassroots. Um, HBCU is our next kind of big uh, focus. We had a couple folks at uh, Spellhouse this past weekend. Spellhouse. <laughs> with the homecoming. With the homecoming and... Um, uh, yeah, you know, anything really related to using the platform, um, again, being an ambassador, questions about your own career, this is, it's, it's what we do and it's, uh, it's what gets us out of bed in the morning. So I would love to hear from, from each of you. And I just also wanted to thank you for putting this together. I think, um, things like this are so important and it's so important to bridge our communities and just talk candidly about the things that we're facing. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. And I want to thank everyone who t- tuned in on a Sunday night. Sundays are pretty hard, but from what I hear, be- hear from most people, it's easier than other nights. <laughs> so, yeah. Th- thank you. And um, I guess we'll connect with Tani and stay connected with us. Uh, visit hbcu2startups.com or follow us on Twitter. Um, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Bye. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> See everyone later.